0: Hi everyone. Um, Welcome to For Women by Women. I am Malika Judd and I will be your host today. The idea for this monthly live event and podcast series came from the wish to create a safe and authentic space where we can share the kaleidoscope of experiences of women. We empower and we inspire. We open up conversations about topics that move us. Within this community, you will find peers and mentors and role models and sparring partners, people who share, with shared values and with radically different experiences, uh, mentees from whom you can learn from, um, and everyone is welcome. And uh, if you enjoy this experience, you can always uh, join our future recordings by signing up at W-F-B-F, Sorry. FWBW.org. Today, we are speaking about women and entrepreneurship, and we have an inspiring selection of brilliant female entrepreneurs here joining us. Um, You can hopefully see them all on video. So we have Odette, we have Lula, Regina, Elizabeth, um, Luisa, and Delphine. In this session, we are providing a safe space for open discussions about the path to entrepreneurship and the way that our career and family choices transformed and adapted us. And as we move through these different stages of our lives, both as women, as entrepreneurs, and simply as human beings navigating through life, work, and family. As moderator, uh, sorry, uh, as moderator I get the pleasure of asking you, um, Odette, Lula, Regina, Delphine, Elizabeth, and Louisa, the pointed and difficult questions. So be ready. Uh, I I encourage you to be open, honest, and dare I say it, raw. To everyone else here, please join in this discussion. Um, Post your comments in the chat. And hopefully at the end of this, if you're having your lunch break, um, you go back to work feeling very inspired. I have a number of questions that I would love to uh, open up this discussion. Uh, how I will do this is I will just start with a question, and if you don't mind, we can sort of go in order. i'll I'll call each of your names um, and give you an opportunity to to share. So I'm going to start this uh, head head on, and I'm going to say, um, I know you've all started companies, you're all entrepreneurs. Um, we want this discussion to be uh, entertaining. So tell us. What was your biggest mistake? Um, What would you, you know, if you look back on your journey as an entrepreneur, what is the one thing where you shake your head and say, "Ah, if only I'd done it differently? Um, I'll start with you, Odette.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining. Yeah, so when you introduce yourself as a woman entrepreneur, the discussion always leads to finding the balance between work and family. Do you agree? Well, first mistake I thought was there was a balance. I could, you you know, people say work-life balance, right? But this has been my experience. Now I realize that there's no balance. Balance is the ideal reality and it's far from it. A a woman, entrepreneur, mother is often rushing, tired, needing a massage, a yoga class, or, you know, just to run and to be not irritable. These are all indicators of imbalance. I was putting pressure on myself and it really add more stress to the situation you know having kids i think the first thing is i had to accept that there's no balance i had to embrace that that reality you know i have a 23 year old woman and now she's working in london and i have a 19 year old young gentleman now a university in san francisco still i still don't don't get it. I mean, sometimes I have to really realize that there are times when I have to focus on uh, having my relationship with them first and connecting with them. And then later on, I will have to go on again with my busy uh, things that I have to do in at work. So it's an ideal. We should take it as a reality. And tell telling ourselves that it's okay. It's okay that sometimes you spend a bit too much at work because of a big project that you're working on. Or it's okay if you do not go to work because you just feel like you, you want to join your child or you, ju- you want to join your son in the school activity. So I realized that technology always helps as we can do emails and coordinate things, even if we we are with our kids. So in the same way, I realize that handling family matters, even if we're traveling for work due to technology, people say there's no work-life balance, but actually we just have to have this work-life integration, accepting things sounds- they are helps bring the stress down. If I understand correctly, um, you'd say your
0: biggest mistake was thinking you were going to have work-life balance or? uh, (laughs) Okay. Just accepting reality is better than trying to, uh, you know, feeling um, pressured that you're not balancing too well.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Got it. Um, Lula,
3: what's been your biggest mistake? I would probably say not starting early enough. There's always something holding you back if it's fear or, you know, being scared it's not going to be good enough or um, not everything is finished. There's always a reason for not starting early enough. And for me, it was a big realization when I understood that it will never be perfect. But if you don't start, you never have a chance to improve what you're doing. So, I would look back and wish that I had just had the guts to start even earlier, but then again, it's also never too late. But if you're out there thinking about starting something, you have an idea, just do it. Just put yourself out there because it will never be um, it will never be perfect when you start. So I would say that's um, yeah, one I of the agree. things I, I can recommend.
0: I agree with that one hundred percent uh regina
4: yeah that really mother. that really resonates with me, Lula, and I've yeah been there, done that. Uh, just pointing out one mistake. It's so difficult, right? Because I feel I stumble from one mistake uh, to the next, but I think one that uh, kept holding me back a lot in the beginning and honestly still does. So I'm trying not to redo my mistake over and over again, Uh, but it is that I I'm so bad at focusing just on my own journey and not getting distracted by what other really accomplished uh, entrepreneurs have already done because I want a lot, I'm ambitious and I sometimes forget that they have their journey and this is mine and that I get to make my own rules and it will take my time and it, it there is not one way that's better than the other and it's hard to not make that mistake over and over again actually on like almost a daily level uh, on a daily daily right
0: (laughs) that that resonates a lot with me um I get sucked into LinkedIn watching other people's achievements right and I constantly
4: I hate that
0: constantly have to step back and say you know whatever's on LinkedIn doesn't matter what are what are my own achievements Yes. Um, Elizabeth, on to you. Thank you, Regina, so much for that. Thank you. Yeah,
2: I also very much resonate with that. Um, Ironically, I think my biggest mistake is actually not making enough mistakes and and basically being too afraid to make mistakes. I mean, of course, we, we made a lot of mistakes on the way, like little mistakes, but I think this whole mindset of fail fast is something that I really struggle with. And I don't know if it's, um, if it's also maybe more of a female problem, like always wanting to be perfect and wanting everything to, uh, just kind of work right away or, or if it's me. But, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, definitely something that I would like to improve, like just taking, um, bigger risks and, um, making more mistakes and being unafraid of, um, yeah taking those risks and failing fast.
0: With that in mind, how would you, the next time you need to make a decision faster or take a risk faster, how do you know when you should jump?
2: Um, yeah, actually decision making is one of the things I struggle with generally and something that I've um started to train myself to do even with small things like if it's ordering something in a restaurant but um which is obviously a lot easier than with like big business decisions um is kind of just going with the first thing that I that feels right and to trust my gut more. um so that's also something that I think is is something that you just have to practice um some maybe more than others. Uh I, I've learned that I, I have a gut feeling, but I just tend to ignore it. So I think that's something that I um I want to just start practicing also more in my business decisions to just go for it. And the first thing that just feels right is probably
0: good enough and to just go with that. Trust your gut. That's what yep. to do better. <laughs> Got it. Um we have uh Louisa,
5: you're up. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, what Elizabeth just said actually uh, resonates with me a lot. I also thinking back. I think when I first started, um, um, you know, like when I first started, like found my company, I I had this always this feeling that you know when you are an entrepreneur or when you I don't know when you um, you know you have an idea and that you are kind of I always thought that you're really supposed to already know everything. Like I think because I spent so long kind of working for other people, I always watched you know um all these kind of more senior people founding the comp- founding companies and always thinking wow they do this because they have all the answers they know everything so I think this is something I struggled with at the beginning quite a lot was realizing that I don't actually know so much and um and then I was always ve- I was really afraid of asking for help or asking and you know, like advice you know people who know or like even I can make my case I remember I mean I'm 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 really from the product side I I was always really afraid of asking customers how how they think the product is because I was so, because I thought I had to know it all. And I think that limited me a lot at the beginning. Like I think probably in my self-development, I could have moved a bit um, faster or differently. I think it was really holding me back thinking that I had to had that founding something means having all the answers already. Um, Yeah.
0: And, and so are, do you talk to your customers more? Do you ask more questions? What? How has that changed?
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think another, another um, thing I, I came to my mind, is, it was a bit too specific, so I didn't really want to bring it up now, but I think really like, uh, in my case at least, like really have, uh, te- I think sometimes I wish also we had tested the product more. You know, I think this is something where I'm like, I think it's it's a quite a painful thing where you, you launch something, um, having tested a little bit, um, but you need almost this customer feedback and kind of this customer engagement in order to make it better. And, um, so yeah, talking, talking to, uh, uh, customers, getting feedback and, uh, um, actually, yeah, I think this is something that I'm doing much, much more now. I probably should have done sooner in the beginning, but being very afraid, I didn't. (laughs) Also not being afraid. That's,
0: that's the, You know, making the decisions faster, trusting your gut, the common theme, not being afraid, uh, you know, being open to asking questions. I I think some common themes are already hearing. Um, Who have we not heard from yet? Delphine?
6: Yeah, I think everyone, I resonate with most of what everyone's saying. And actually, I kind of, sorry, we have a little guest with us here. So if you hear little noises... (laughs) babies with me <laughs> so um so yeah I think it, what's interesting with what everyone's saying is that there's a lot of psychology around you know how is everyone <clears throat> feeling and the mistakes and being a woman which I think is probably typical of being a woman <laughs> on like how we doubt ourselves and all these things and the work-life balance and expect that we need to figure it all um I would say for me really I mean I did make a lot of mistakes on the business for sure. And actually one advice that I've heard early on, I was lucky enough to hear that is fail uh, quickly. I mean, fail early, quickly. I mean, make the mistakes early to fix them. So I was just trying to figure things out without being too stressed about, okay, it's not gonna work, it's okay, we're gonna try. And so for me, the one thing is accepting to be an entrepreneur. Actually, I was not seeing myself as an entrepreneur. I was just thinking, okay, I have this big corporate background, I'm just going to try this and just do it and just not owning. And I think for me, this ownership of actually I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing things it's pretty recent. Uh, I'm like, you know, assuming the fact that's actually me too. And it's what I think Luisa was saying, like you think everyone, I think you think that you're just born or grew up with this title of like, oh, you are, or you're not an entrepreneur, but actually everyone can be. And it can be a podcast, it can be the best, you know, next, I don't know, iPhone or whatever, but it's just the mindset and um, what you're doing and how you're achieving your leadership and all that, that actually makes you an entrepreneur, right? So, yeah, that's also a lot of so, the psychology, I would say.
0: <laughs> um, Adelphine, you mentioned two things. One is, you know, what defines an entrepreneur? And the second is, you know, are some of these common themes related to being female, right? Potentially self-doubt or not asking enough questions or not trusting our gut, etc. Which leads me to my next question, which is um, you know, the 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 theme of this uh this panel is women entrepreneurship. So, my question for all of you and we'll start with you Delphine is um, has there been an experience um throughout your journey where you noted I am dealing with this because I'm female. Um, You know, had I been male in this exact situation, this this situation would have panned out completely differently or this, you know, meeting or this negotiation. Um, You have a, you know, a clear moment where you acknowledge this is an additional challenge I'm dealing with because of my gender definitely i'm trying to think of specific ideas uh, examples but it's
6: definitely a feeling that i have um sometimes i feel like maybe maybe on the people management side one of my struggle i don't know if it's because i'm young or so i have a restaurant so i have restaurant business right so we have uh staff and i'm remote so i'm in the us the restaurants are in greece so although I'm management, I'm kind of a ghost for most people, right? Because it's like they don't see me, although I talk about them almost every day. They don't don't see me, they know me, they know who I am but then when I go there, I don't feel like I'm their manager. I don't own that and I feel like, I don't know, because some of them are older men than me, right? So they're men, they're older, right? So there's all these things of like, you feel a little bit like um, I don't know, an imposter, like (laughs) like You don't feel entitled. Um, I guess this year, right, <laughs> of like being the manager and owning. And so I kind of let not everybody, but like some people just let them be. And like, I feel like if I was like my partner who is male and is a bit older, and I feel like maybe I would be able to. Yeah, I feel more entitled of like, oh, I'm your manager. So, then yeah, something you don't do or like whatever. But I don't say and I just ignore it. So,
0: yeah, the people management side is probably one one thing. It's more difficult. Yes, mm. I've had that too where um, I've been told like the way I manage is either either too motherly or too, you know, uh, I'm expected to behave differently because of gender as well. Yeah, I I understand what yes. you're talking about. And you feel like um, you exactly you expected. I'm sorry.
6: Yeah, to be like friendly and nice, and yeah, this mother. Right.
0: Yeah, and when you when you fire someone, they're you know <laughs> wondering where this personality came from. Yes. Right. I get it. Yeah. Um. Th- thank you, Delphine, for that. Um. We'll move backwards. We'll go back to Luisa. You have um experienced very specific, you know. Uh, I'm only dealing with this because I'm female.
5: Uh, yes, I, d- definitely. I think um, two two things that keep on like I ex- uh, that I keep uh, experiencing. I mean, the first thing is I think a little bit related to um, Delphine. I also think that in leadership or how you are with your employees, with your team, all the bosses I ever had in my life were all men, and I mean, um, I've never had any bad experiences you know but of course you you get you get used to a certain kind of leadership and then I think I'm either always trying to copy that and be like okay you know of course I I when I made a mistake my male boss acted that way and I and I feel like I'm always in this constant like but it it, that doesn't come naturally to me Um, so I feel like I'm I'm a little bit more empathetic and um, so I'm trying to kind of cultivate a different um, um environment with my co-workers, with my employees. Um, but of course, I think as a woman I tend to, and I mean I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really realizing this more and more that I have this very big urge to be liked, like to that people when I that people would think of me, oh, but she's very nice and she's very friendly. And of course that's I mean, everyone wants that, but I feel like sometimes it's disproportionate to you know. You also want to be decisive, and you want to. And I feel like sometimes looking back at my male, um, um, you know, bosses, they didn't really have that so much. They didn't really care whether they are liked or or not. So I think this is something that I'm always like, I'm I'm trying to be liked, and I want to be liked, but I'm constantly checking in with myself, like, do I need to be liked in that moment? Why can I not be like this? Or so it's kind of like I think it's personal struggle that i i don't think men have that so much i think this is a female um experience i would say that's the first thing that i don't it's like a recurring thing and the second thing of course it's very practical is that many many investors that we have spoken to in my company you know we're doing um baby wear so it's products for babies and parents as soon as they hear that i'm not a mother it's really a problem they're like but how can you you know you as a woman most people who would found a copy like that would would do this because they have a baby. So why, you know, are you not part of the community? How can you tr- test your products? Like it really becomes a big thing, you know, and they don't, my, co- my, my co-founder Casper, he doesn't have babies either. And it's not really an issue so much there. Um, so I think, you know, um, I, by now I have, an, I have a very good answer. To, I, I have an answer to what I say to these investors, you know, I'm always saying like, you know, actually I am my own, target audience you know we we are really targeting also women who don't have babies yet you need to you know so I think I have I found my own answer and I found you know how to deal with that but I think this is a question that I think um yeah it's a very it's a a thing
0: you shouldn't have to have an answer that's the problem
5: yes right your
0: co-founder clearly doesn't need to have an answer (laughs) yeah why do yeah Mm. yeah unfair expectations um Mm. uh you mentioned investors, just to jump in with my own experience. Um, in in my company, I focus a lot on investor relations, and we have about 50 different investors. And an experience where I felt like I was a woman was once I've had an investor try to kiss me while I was pregnant in an elevator. And another time I had a different investor um, take me out to dinner and tell me I had really nice legs and then try to feel my legs. And both times I thought, There was no way that this would ever happen if I wasn't female. So that's that's just sharing my experience. Um, Thank you, Luisa. I'll I'll go over to Elizabeth. Love to hear from you.
2: Um, Yeah. So I can't say I've ever had any sort of like discriminatory or Me Too moment. Um, I think basically it's just the whole environment of the startup scene is just very much a boys club. Um, And obviously if you're not a boy, (laughs) it's hard to feel like you belong there. Right. So I think it's um, also an issue of just taking yourself seriously and feeling like people take you seriously. Sometimes I'm not sure, like, Am I not being taken taken seriously? Or is it me who's not taking myself seriously? So it's sometimes a little bit like, ah, uh, I find it difficult to point the blame somewhere else. But um yeah, I guess it's also just yeah, difficult to to take yourself seriously and to feel like you belong in a place where there's just very few examples of, of your
0: gender doing so how, what you're doing, I mean, right? When you walk into a boys' club environment, like you know, do you have tricks? <laughs> how do you make yourself comfortable or or get over yeah um
2: mm, um I would love to say that I do but no I don't think <laughs> I don't think I do um I mean most of the time I have to say like my experience has been mainly positive so I don't as I said I don't have any sort of like really discriminatory situations to report on luckily um there have been sort of like minor instances of of sexism I would say. Um, where people, you know, just sort of belittle you or, you know, yeah, don't take you seriously or say, Oh, well, that's, that's cute. What you're doing like that sort of, um, attitude. Um, but yeah, I can't really say that I have tricks. I, I mean, most of the time, you know, I mean, it's not all bad. I mean, boys clubs are fun too. And if you get on with the boys and they're nice, then, um, you know, uh, that it's not all always, a terrible experience. It's just um yeah, just sometimes I think you can feel a little out of place. And that's that's the tricky part, how to sort of get past that and how to still believe in yourself. And um I wouldn't say I have all the answers there. And I think I need to do a lot more work there actually to um to also put myself in situations where I don't feel comfortable. I think that I, I sort of held back on that. Um maybe this goes a little bit into the mistakes that I made Um, like for example I never fundraised for my company Um, I think also part of it was because I was scared of being a female entrepreneur and maybe not getting funding so I didn't actually put myself in that situation and I guess maybe that's something I wouldn't have done if I was a man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Speaking of fundraising and boys club one of the things that I have experienced is definitely it's you know eighty percent male, twenty percent female. Uh, once you get over that point of being uncomfortable, and you figure out how to leverage that, it actually becomes also a competitive advantage, right? Because there's mm-hmm. always nowadays it's always um, investors are looking for uh, you know unique portfolios, and sometimes being mm-hmm. female now gets you that spot at the table or gets you that opportunity to pitch. Mm-hmm. Over the men because you are different, um, and mm. so I would say to you, one hundred percent, use the fact that it's a boys' club to your advantage. And mm, as I a female, that. you should you should um, I I pro you <laughs> going out and fundraising. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess to you just have to own it, right? You yeah. just have
2: to own it, and then you can always turn turn the
0: situation to your advantage if you if you own it. I agree. Uh, thank you so much, um, Regina. We'd love to hear from you. Are you there?
4: Yeah, because and I'm I'm silent because I'm taking this all in. I I've I've thought about this a lot because I I wonder if sometimes I make this my own disadvantage. And if, if it's all in my head, and many of you brought that up, right? Uh, is this something that I just see a self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm just making this about me being a woman? Is this just something that I am making about my own choices of also being being a mom and also really mindfully taking some time away from my business? Uh when my kids were, you know, very little, uh, did I talk myself into like, oh, this is so unfair because I'm a woman and now I'm this mother, and now I, I also want to build my business. And I often I often see myself like I'm pushing myself in the corner when actually all that I'm experiencing, the hard things, the 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 moving countries, the Having really sick kids, all these things that life throws at you, this dramatic experiences and actually take that and say like, you know, and this is exactly why I'm, why I'm going to be or why I am an impactful intra- entrepreneur. I can't even say the words, look at me with what I'm, with what I'm doing. Uh, not not because I'm a hu- not because I'm a woman, but because I'm a human with a human experience and all these experiences that I have make me make me who I am. and sometimes I really just want to be more more authentic like that like be fully me and not according to what I think a woman or an entrepreneur uh, with this um life experience should have achieved in business in this moment in time we're going back to that comparison and like carving out my own my own space not because of of my gender but just because of of who i am and what i bring to the table and knowing that i mean all of us here right today all of you here that are listening today live and now when you're listening back to the recording you are all bringing so much to the table and if I think if I allow myself just to own that then in in anything is possible yeah it's um it's interesting to hear. you know what we're
0: hearing is we struggle between being authentic embracing Mm -hmm. the fact we're women and like acting like female bosses and, you know, being motherly or or those things that we naturally want to do. And then on the flip side being like, but what would my male counterpart do? (laughs) Right? Like how should I be more like my male counterpart? How would he handle this situation? What would he say? And so we're constantly pulled between if I, if I'm hearing what everyone's saying, at least if I reflect on myself constantly pulled between what is my authentic self and What should I be according to, you know, maybe what my male counterpart or that successful man ahead of me or the other, you know, men in the bro club are doing? You know, how do I fit in, but also be myself?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard, right? I mean, it's... uh... Uh, yeah, I'm sighing because I'm sometimes getting so frustrated with it myself Um, because I think, honestly, I think I've wasted so much time already. Like ever since I started my business with exactly this, I'm, I'm wasting time and I'm like, I really like this year is my year of where I have decided that that ends, you know, I want this to end to waste my time with with making and building that business that is authentic and working for me on my terms and uh it's it's hard to not hold my it's hard to not hold myself back it's <laughs> yeah to be our
0: our worst enemy yeah how do we aren't become we? a supporter and not yeah, our worst enemy we're, exactly. we're like the devil inside our head 100 i i feel you on that Um, Thank you so much, Regina. Um, uh, Lula and then Odette, Lula, let's hear from you. Regina, don't hold
3: yourself back. (laughs) Just go out there, (laughs) do it. Um, I'm from Norway and um, been doing. I I started a a boutique agency, uh, an event agency, in when I was living in Shanghai, working with Scandinavian companies. I wanted to do events in Shanghai. So I think I was very lucky in that environment to work with um, clients who respected me being a woman. I never really had any big problems or um, situations being a woman in, in that space. Um, and also in Shanghai, starting my company there, working with suppliers and clients. And, uh, and clients um, also when I moved to Hong Kong the same I always felt very respected being um, a woman all the time Um, I must also say I have very strong female figures in my life which I guess have helped me kind of root that um, that feeling inside that I can do what I want to do there is no no difference if I'm a woman or if I'm a man Uh, Because I've seen it. I've seen other women do it. Um, And I think that's very powerful. And and us here in the panel, in the audience, we should do exactly that. We should be role models for other girls and women who want to do something or start something of their own. Um, But that being said, uh, biologically, if you want to have a family, you most likely will need to be the one being pregnant. And that is something no matter how equal we are men and women it's something women have to do to start a family unless you adopt um which is also fantastic um and uh, for my side when i then moved to to norway in 2020 and uh, decided to start working with my family business i kind of understood that i cannot work 150 percent in a company and um have very small children, or at least the first couple of months. So uh, I had we had two kids very uh, close. It's only eighteen months between them, and that was a very conscious decision because I felt like I have to be done with this very early baby stage to be able to go on and do what I want to do. Which is also a bit of a shame, and I think that's probably not something a man would, um, or the way a man would think about it. Um, but I mean, I'm very happy that I have two amazing boys now, and I wouldn't have done it any other way. Uh, but um, maybe I would have thought differently if I, if I was a man.
0: I have a follow up question to that. Um, but I want to hold and let uh, Odette answer. And then I'm going to change the topic over to what is how managing having ch- children. Okay, Odette, let's hear from you.
1: Yeah, so I started the business seven years ago. And basically, what I do is I share the parent effectiveness training program to schools, to companies, and to the public in Hong Kong, in Macau, basically in Asia. So, of course, the first few years, I had a lot of critics. You know, I was surrounded with working parents asking about how it's going to be an effective course. And and in Hong Kong, they don't really have this program. Um, it's not normal because relationships is a very personal thing for for Hong Kong families. And so um, I had to 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 be convincing a lot of corporations, HR stakeholders, also some sponsors from from the top because selling a product like parenting course to employees is something very different. Um, until later on, um, there were a lot of women who were attending the sessions and also gentlemen who were very much convinced about the framework of the course. So I think over the years I was able to build it because of credibility, but um a society like hong kong who has a very strong chinese values and also very strong uh, diverse community you know we have a lot of europeans we have a lot of americans australians so there is a lot of differences in values and when i introduced this course to the community there was a very positive feedback So, so i thought um I didn't have that difficulty about gender-based critics. I also have women-based critics, because we do have a lot of women who are just focused on tasks and work, and they don't provide courses like this in the corporation. But now, eventually, we have big companies opening their doors to really support families in their company. So that's basically my journey. It's increasing credibility and also positive feedback from the participants themselves.
0: So Odette, I mean, it's interesting that you're, um, you're focused around parenting uh, tips and Lula, her, her last point was specifically around, you know, a decision that she made in terms of, I must have two kids right in a row as quickly as possible. So I can take this time to get my kids grown up before I, you know, go back, focus on work. Um, one of the questions I have, and I'll let um, I'll let everyone here on the panel sort of jump in for answers. Um, is and I'll I'll say paternity leave instead of maternity leave because I know we do have some some um men on this uh call as well. Paternity leave, good or bad, uh, and I say that um to deliberately be controversial. Um uh is it is it bad to take it as an entrepreneur? And is it bad not to take it? And and I'll start with myself. Um, I have been building a business for the last eight years. I had two children during this journey. I took two weeks off completely. I took two weeks off after that. After the first two weeks off completely, I took another two weeks where you know I was answering emails from my phone. And by five or six weeks in, I was full time back working. That was not the rule from my company, I could have taken a lot longer. Um, I didn't want to disconnect. I wanted to be engaged with my company and I wanted a distraction from the children. (laughs) And uh, so I made a deliberate decision not to take full parental leave. In hindsight, I say this, um, other people in my company had children and they took their their full three months or more. And what I noticed is a sense of jealousy towards them. Like, I felt like I didn't take the leave. Why are you taking the leave? And I thought that was a really interesting reflection point on myself, which is I had made a conscious decision that I didn't want to take the leave, but Years later, when I watched other people taking that leave to you know, either de-stress from the company or have the time for their children, I seemed to be jealous or I felt like it wasn't fair. And that was completely a situation that I put myself in. Um, so I didn't necessarily answer them my own question. Is it bad to take it or bad not to take it? I just shared my own experience, which is I chose not to take it. And then later I was jealous of those who did. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you about
1: that. I think it's really so important to take it once it's offered. <laughs> I think that's, that's the, but the, I think every continent have a different kind of setting in the workplace. So uh, for Hong Kong, it's totally different. And there's no black and white. Uh, this is what we say in parenting course, because there could be some reasons why one of the parents would like to go back to work because there's a sense of fulfillment that they need to meet or there's a need for um, some other reasons that we may not know because they're going through something. So every family has a unique way of approach, right? Whether the husband prefers to stay home because he has more flexible time to do work and the wife would just, well, would be able to go home, go to work, but then comes back at 5 p.m. So I think that the arrangement of the couple is the best way to 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 follow because every individual has different needs. This is what we say, and every child is also unique to each family.
0: So I hear you, and I want to challenge you and and pass this question on. Um, one of the reasons, you know, that I struggled to take the lead is because, as far as I was concerned, my baby, my company, was my first baby, right? And so like, how am I supposed to leave my first baby to take care of a second baby, right? Like, you know, I have a responsibility to everyone in this process to be there all the time, right? That's the challenge of being a mother, which is like, uh, as an entrepreneur, your company is also a baby. So, I mean, that's where I struggled. Um, And, and, uh, you know, I want to pass this conversation back. Um, I'll throw this at uh, Elizabeth um you know how uh do you have children and and did you ever take maternity leave or not
2: oh my god so much to say on this i can't believe you said the word jealousy because i i felt jealousy on so many different levels that i'm trying to like organize my brain right now to make sense of it so with my i have two children now one is one and a half months the older one is two. And um, with my first daughter, I took three months off, actually. Um, but then my co-founder had a baby nine months before me, and she took about maybe a week off max. Um, I think she was even the day after the hospital, after she came out of the hospital, she was already on her laptop doing finance stuff. Um, uh, so obviously, there's that whole topic of guilt in both directions so on the one hand guilt towards my co-founder like do I have to do what she's doing and trying to free myself from that and saying okay that was her decision that's what's right right for her but this is about me and my child and I have to see what's right for me but it was such a difficult decision for me and I think we're going to touch on the subject later I actually have a, a, a coach and she's a woman and she really helped me through that time and how to make this decision for myself because um and I actually let that jealousy sort of guide me in a way. I was like, Okay, am I more jealous of the moms that go back to work right away and they sort of like they're like the cool moms who are like working Power more? Moms. Am I- yeah Yeah, they're the power moms or am I more jealous of my friends who work in big corporations who can just say oh I'm taking two years off and um you know I have no guilt whatsoever because it's not my company and I can do whatever and I can spend that time with my kids completely guilt-free um and so there was like okay who I'm 70% jealous of them and 30% jealous of them so I'm gonna go back to work after three months and in the end I was I was pretty happy with that decision um but that being said, now with my second child, um, I am, well, I'm trying to take a year off, but now like one and a half months in, I'm like, a year is really long. And I don't know if I'm going to survive that. And actually, I'm currently in the process of actually starting a new business. So I guess that's not happening. Um, but, um, yeah. And it's really difficult, especially, I think, if both parents are entrepreneurs and founders, um, because, sure, you can do whatever you, you want, right? I mean, you can go to work the day after you have your baby. I guess it's just sort of a matter of how much time do you want to spend with your kids? And um, can you outsource? Or can you not outsource? also, right, like a money question. Um, and it's also... Oh, no, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, when both parents are entrepreneurs, it's just... Um, tricky right like one is definitely going to have to take less time than the other unless you ah, ah, yeah unless you're very equal um but in my case for example um we're not my husband just makes way more money than i do so financially it just didn't make sense right for him to take as much time as me that's just the way that it is. And it, it makes sense and I and I um sort of acknowledge that, but it's still difficult, right? You still have to you still have to, you know, take a step back, even though maybe you would also like to bring your business forward during that time.
0: Yeah. So That's, I mean tough. speaking of financially, the number of times that my husband and I have sat down and we calculate, like, does it make sense to hire help or not? And it, like it doesn't matter how you do it, you can be like this. Help is going to cost more than I make, and like I'm still working. <laughs> yeah, that's what matter. I did too.
2: My salary literally just went straight to the nanny for like a, a many months. But actually, my husband did really support me on that one because I was like, "Oh, does this make sense? Like, all like, what's the point?" And he said, "Okay, but you are creating a bigger value with what you're doing." And it's not just about your salary, right? Like you're building something for your future. You're building um you're building a company that will hopefully, you know, take you to a whole nother level. So not to sort of only see the salary, just literally leaving my bank account to someone else's bank account.
0: I I want to, I mean, I do want to pass this question on, but it in your last point inspired me into another question, which is um there have been times over the journey of of entrepreneurship where i have increased my own salary because whatever is happening at home requires more money and it's it's weird to think that i waited to pay myself what i was worth based on oh well now i have a kid and i have to pay school fees or now i have a kid and i have to pay uh i have to pay for a nanny um you know why i, I don't know if anyone else here has had this experience where they like They deliberately underpay themselves because, like, it's for the business; it's for the interest of the company, right? And you have to wait of the founder, (laughs) yeah. Wait for your situation at home or something to happen before you actually, you know, value what you're putting in, or you actually go to your investors and you fight for what you're worth. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a slightly different question, but I can, I mean, I I can ask. Regina or or Delphine, like, um, have you had similar experiences either around um, deciding to take leave or not or (laughs) deciding between making money or paying someone else to take your kids or, you know, what did you do? Uh, Delphine, I'll correct you. Uh, Yeah, I feel
6: like I can so relate because I'm right now in this debate in my mind of... Because my baby is six weeks old, right? So, so, and I started working. I mean, reconnect to my phone after three days. Am I proud of it? No. Did I have a choice? Maybe. I'm not sure because we're a small company. So I feel like I feel like what I'm not doing, I'm gonna put the burden of my on my partner. So I and actually having another child, so I have two, right? Max feels. I mean, it makes me feel like I need even more to succeed in what I'm doing. So I feel like I have in more pressure and right now I'm really dealing with like two activities and having my babies and my toddlers and we live in Boston. We don't have any family around. So <clears throat> can I afford childcare? I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, it's really expensive here. I mean, my daughter goes to a, a daycare, which is a very expensive. And this is what we're investing to be like, okay, we need this time. At least we can't just, I mean, we need that for sure. Then, the baby is so small. So all this is so like, I don't think I have the right answer, but for me, it really feels like, okay, what is, I take really one day at a time. And if I feel like it's too much on the work side, I stop. If I feel like I need to prioritize my baby, like he was sick lately, I will prioritize. So I feel like I'm working on my priorities on a daily basis. I still feel like it's important for me that I don't want to wake up six months from now. I feel like I missed something and, and I don't have I'm not there yet on where I want to be professionally. So there's a frustration in me that I do, I think, want it all. I know, <clears throat> I don't think it's actually one good advice that I've heard is that you can have it all, but not at the same time. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I should re rethink about it. But right now, our situation is a little bit complicated. We're going to move to California and everything. My husband just started a new job, so he feels the pressure as well. So we're a little bit balancing that again on a daily basis but yeah it is it is a discussion and is something I'm thinking about a lot and what is the right thing to do and definitely talking about the value and talking about yeah like you your nanny makes more than you right <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur it's like it's frustrating but you're like okay on the other hand I can focus on what I want to do and see it long term because ideally like what you're working on maybe you don't make any money for years right Uh, which is my case, by the way, as an entrepreneur, I'm not making money yet in my business, but business making money, but not, you know, we prefer to reinvest it right now. Um, That's a decision as well to make, but then you know that you need to compromise on the personal side. So so we cut it on other places, you know, you go less out, you do other things. We know it's a phase and we really hope that all the effort we're doing, is going to pay out. So... I hope otherwise it will be, (laughs) but I'm also trying not to be frustrated. Like if I feel like, Oh, I want to spend time with my baby, then I'll do it. I don't want to feel like, Oh, I'm doing that. I don't want to be there. I, I always try to be where I want to be. So if I feel like I want to send emails and work on something like now I decided to wake up 6am and take on this, like, I'm on the, right, Boston, right, so, and be here, and be with you guys, and, you know, and put myself together, take like my baby, I could have just sleep in, right, but I want to, I want, I'm so happy to be here, so I just want to be where, what trigger happiness for me, so if it's with my baby, I would do that, if it's, I don't know, being in my partner meeting, I'll do that as well, so I think it's really where, what you want, and every decision is really personal and I. F- my one recommendation would be don't feel frustrated where you are at the moment. If you feel like
0: you're not happy, then change it
6: and refocus. So yeah.
0: So I, sorry. I hear you. I think the theme that we're getting is like, everyone has a different approach to how to balance, uh, how to balance parenting and being an entrepreneur. There's no right answer. <laughs> and um, you know, just keep yourself safe <laughs> and, and happy. Um, Uh, two days ago, I had a whole day worth of meetings and it was going bad. So I canceled it all and I went to the beach and I sat in the sun and that kept me going. That's great. I work for myself, (laughs) I can do this. Yeah, (laughs) yes. I I, I would say that's the benefit. Um, um, uh, Regina, I'd love to hear from you. And then I want to go on to sort of um, a question about coaching. So Regina, let's hear from you first. Yeah, I,
4: I, the the value uh, that word really triggered me uh, when when you were talking about the the value we put on certain things, and also honestly, what I had to learn is what 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 am I worth? You know, what no, not what am I worth? I know what I'm worth, but what is my time worth when I'm doing my podcast coaching? What I did. And actually, that throws me back to a mistake I should also have mentioned. I oh, Gourley, underpriced myself, you know. Like when you said um, Malika, right? Like wh- when did you give yourself a raise? Why did I? Why did I price myself in that? What I today find ridiculous. Like, why would I even give my time and all my experience away for almost nothing? And, you know, actually, that brings me to the question with, do you see uh, being a woman affects affects certain things? In a way, yeah, come to think of it, uh, it does affect me that I'm often approached, often by men, uh, not only by men, but by many people that ask for my time. For expertise, for what I've built with my podcast, what I give, where everyone knows this is my, I, I th- this is my business model that I teach and coach that, but people would like it for free from me. Is it because I'm a woman? I don't know. But I'm so honestly, I'm sick and tired of it. Of 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 doing things for free uh when i know there is so much value in what i in what i offer but that's also on me to to show up for it and the same goes also for for to put the worth and the value into when i decide to take time off for my for my for my business when my kids were little or when i want to take time off from my business because that's where I want to put my value now. That's what I decide where I want to spend my time in this moment without judging myself. And But that's oftentimes hard. Uh, I, I could go on forever, but I'm holding myself back, Mareka, because I know that everyone has, I'm sure everyone that's listening right now, so in it's spinning in your heads, right? Do you all feel it? But do I you all feel it like you're not alone in this? Like it's not just you? Because often I, I do feel alone in this. It's not just me.
0: I mean, everything you said just made me think of another story. I I used to be the CFO of our company um, for many, many years. And a year ago, I, transferred, I, I transitioned over to just investor relations and board management. And in the process of transitioning, we drafted a JD for a CFO and we asked the board, um, you know, what should we budget for this role? And the board suggested a salary that was three X what I was paying myself. I had been doing this job for the last seven years and it made me so angry. So, so, so angry that the board was willing to pay three X for the role than what I was paying myself. And in the end, um, part of it was, I had never actually gone to the board and asked for more, right? Like that was on me, right? So they were willing to pay it. I never asked for it. So why would they just be like, hey, give yourself more. You deserve it. And it wasn't until I realized that they were willing to pay three times that salary to, to replace me that, you know, I was like, I need to renegotiate. Even though I'm moving over to this other role, I need to renegotiate with my board because clearly what I'm doing is worth more than what I, you know, i put my own value on. Second story is I have OCD with laundry. And so every single morning when I get up, I go and do the laundry before I start work. And my husband has sat me down many times and tried to like get us to outsource laundry to a cleaner. And his argument keeps being like the hourly rate at which you are worth is more than what you spend on laundry. Please stop. I'm like, but but i can't like we will find the best person to do the like ironing like we will but you are worth more than laundry please stop um and so i mean in both of those examples it was an outsider who sort of verifies that like i'm worth more than what i ask for right and you know is this one of our our, our again our worst enemy we you know We undercut ourselves. We undersell ourselves. Like, how do we get over that and fight for what we're worth? Um, I don't have the answer. (laughs) Um, But moving on to the next topic, uh, coaching. I'm curious to hear um, what everyone's solution has been. Uh, Have you gone out and gotten a coach? How do you get advice? Who do you go to? When shit's hitting the fan, uh, fan, um, uh, yeah. Like, where do you go to 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 digest something or to find a solution to something um, when you're stuck? And and I wanted to speak to Luisa, so it's perfect
5: that she pops up on my screen. <laughs>
0: this questions for you.
5: Um. Yeah, very very good question. I I don't have or I've, ne- I've never done kind of professional coaching before, like maybe some of you have. Um I always wanted to, so I was actually um I'm looking forward to what you all um have to share. And maybe um if you have some good recommendation. Because funnily enough, most of my um friends from school and kind of my closest, you know, girlfriends, um none of them are designers or entrepreneurs founders most of them actually are lawyers and doctors and um two of them actually psychologists um so i i do feel like on like a private or whenever i have um you know something to kind of work through whether it being like something private or professional i do feel like i have a really nice network of friends that um you know i can i can i can two I can things through with them of course you know i think there are some things that you probably shouldn't discuss with your friends. And then my two psychology friends always say, yeah, you should go and um, find a coach, (laughs) Uh, which I've never done, but I am, I am kind of part of, I mean, I think this already helps a lot, at least for me, I always feel like speaking quite frankly, quite openly with other female founders who um, sit in the same boat as you helps me a lot. And I'm, I'm part of another female accelerator here in Berlin where I did like a, a program last year and I'm part of like a small master group with four of them and we meet once uh, once a month and kind of talk through so I I do feel like um although I don't you know go and see a professional coach I have in the last two or three years in my kind of entrepreneurial journey found outlets for myself where I feel like I can um bluntly you know uh t- talk about about things that go through my mind um, um um, which has helped me a lot. I feel like you know this feeling of being alone, and 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 kind of always thinking, oh, I'm the only one who goes through through that. Um, or has that has those thoughts, and that already helped me a lot. Realizing that there are so many of us out there, and who want to support each other. And I've similar. You know, I also whenever someone asks me like, who's my role model, I actually. Often say it's my mom because I, I do feel like you know she she's she she kind of is running her own business and had a lot of um um a professional success in life but also children so I um I, I do feel like I'm I'm surround I have this network um supporting me and um which that helps me a lot um but yes I would definitely if someone has a, has a good tip for a coach in Berlin or can some recommend someone I'm I would definitely yeah love to um, hear your thoughts on it.
0: Sorry, I'm on mute. Um, thank you. Uh, I guess I'll then throw that question to anyone. Feel free to jump in. Who here has a coach? Um,
1: yes. So can you share I've,
0: their contact details? Yeah, yeah. go ahead.
1: I, I tried to become one. <laughs> I studied formal training and coaching because I thought it's a great skill in um, dealing with parents, with constituents, with teammates. So I did... I studied that formally. And at the same time, just like Luisa, I also have my own personal board of directors. I've been lucky to have a support group who shares their business uh, practices, you know, from finance, from accountancy, from also HR and also sales, because there are certain things that I need to learn um, regarding running a business. So, so yeah, it's been a very good experience. Uh, um, formal and informal relationship that I have.
0: I'm a bit jealous that you have a good board of directors because I'd say the opposite. The reason I need a coach is to deal with my board of directors, (laughs) right? Like it's, you know, technically I report to them and they bring me a lot of challenges. Um, Anyone else here have a coach?
2: Um, yeah, I, have okay. a, oh, I, I oh, mentioned recently, but, but earlier that I have a coach, but
4: I, I don't want to, Regina, sorry, you wanted to say something. Sorry, I, I cut you. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I'm such a, but Elizabeth, is it also like you have a coach and isn't it like, once you have a coach, it's like, I cannot be without my coach anymore. And I am so, I think once you found someone that that uh, is a good match. Like there's a good chemistry. I think it can totally backfire as well. I've heard awful stories with people signing up Mm -hmm. for like expensive programs. And then it's like, oh no, that didn't work out at all. Uh, So I would definitely, anyone who considers it, I would really encourage to take your time to, and usually coaches do offer that because they also want to have um that you're on the coaches also want someone that you have a good chemistry with from their side as well to Mm. make it efficient so although i said before people want my free advice uh that's something completely different if someone who's actually interested in my services and would then want to sign up for getting to know each other that's completely different and that would always be that that would be free that's different uh but when you find someone to that can help you through this and that you really i think invest invest some money in that in your own development it can be super powerful um uh, i don't know elizabeth did you have the same experience
2: yeah i mean i was super lucky to have found a coach by recommendation and we just immediately hit it off and it was um such a good fit um but still um i don't know how it is for others but for me it's still every time it's a bit of a like okay like you have to go there you have to slow down and you have to sit down and reflect like every time it's a hurdle for me it's i'm not someone who like intrinsically enjoys coaching i have to admit and i have to sort of force myself a little bit um and in the beginning i was kind of like oh what's the point like i just go there and i talk about my stuff for an hour and then what you know but then after a while i realized Just talking it out kind of like here actually and um, or it helps you to organize your thoughts and helps you to um, understand your situation much more clearly and once I realized the value of that I didn't have to force myself as much anymore but still every time I'm like okay you know because you're so busy with all this stuff and then um, it really is just slowing down to speed up basically right but sometimes um, it's very difficult to to make the time for that i think not very important and i would also recommend it yes
3: <laughs> i can jump in here um elizabeth because i i really resonate with that uh, taking time for it i've been wanting to to um, to talk to a coach for a very long time and i haven't until just recently and to the point we were talking about earlier about value it's it's one of the things we've been talking a lot about now is you really need to understand your self worth for you to understand that you have a value and you have resources. And as Regina was talking about, you should never ever work for free. You know, you you have a value and you need to put a price on it. And it's so so important. Um, and I'm I'm very Even happy for that yourself, I have a coach now. Right? <laughs> oh yes, for yourself. For yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Even
2: if you're working for yourself, don't work for don't work for oh, free. Oh yeah, right? exactly.
3: Yeah. No, no, especially when you work for yourself. Um, I am also a, a yoga instructor, and it's something that they really specified early on in the teacher training. Was like you never teach anyone for free, and I was thinking, oh, but I'll just do it to get better and to you know try to, to hone my my skill. And they were saying, no, don't teach for free. You know, you've you spend time and money um, getting this skill. So you always need to get paid, um, and I, I just on this with with a mentor. I never had a mentor. I w- would love to have one. So if you're out there, get in touch because I think it's so so important. Um, but I have. Um, I think there's other ways to also get help and and um, people to talk to. So I have a group of other women who work for their family businesses, and. We meet uh, once a month, we have a lunch together, and it's so good um, that we can talk together. As you said, Elizabeth, you you talk things through, you can organize your thoughts, um, and you inspire each other. So find, try to find people in your network. Most likely you have them. And you just need one person to kind of start something. And once you've started, then you can continue, for example, on a monthly basis like we do then I'm also very lucky that my partner is like my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> um, we talk about everything and he he is the one who um, chaired me on to start my company in Shanghai in the first place. He was like, don't wait, just do it. I'm here. I will support you. I will help you. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, choose a partner who will support you. <laughs> Um, and I also have uh, my brother now in the family business. We, My brother, we work side by side. I think we talk every day. Absolutely every day we talk about things. So finding people in your life that will support you, that you can talk openly with, I think it's so important. And if it's not a mentor or a coach, it can be other people around you. Back to Maleka.
4: Yeah, or like in this community, right? I mean, this is also... This is, this this is so exciting to see this, um, this growing as well. And uh, just by, like you said, Elizabeth, right. It's just, just when we talk about it and we normalize it, I think the experience, and then it doesn't feel so, it doesn't feel so hard anymore. I think, right. Delphine, what do you think?
6: Yeah, and I think I love this question because, you know, the, the question about, like, the coaching, and I was thinking, so I had a coach before, but I feel like, to to your point, Lula, like, my partner, my husband, is the best coach I have because he's the one who, is, who knows me, he cares about me, he supports me, and he challenges me because we think completely differently. So whenever, and I'm in discussion, actually, right now, like, discussing um, doing some business advisory as a freelancer. And like, whenever it's a matter of talking about um, commission and compensation, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to first prove myself and then I can discuss money, all this thing. And he's like, no, you text the guy, you talk about commission now. And that like, he's so much more like straightforward and, and very confident person. And like, he's pushing me to be more like that. And I like that because whenever because I wouldn't tend to be like, oh, I do this free work and then maybe they will trust me enough. But actually you just undersell yourself. People think you're free, you're I don't know that good, or whatever. And it's not the right approach, but it's something I'm working on. And and again, like I would go to him because he thinks differently of me. So I know that I would have another like um another perspective and a bit more um yeah, like and and not like just, yeah, understand myself and all these things. So 100% having the right partner helps for anything you do. If you want to have a family or a career, whatever, if your partner doesn't support you, I think it's not going to work. And then the coach, yeah, it could be one thing with mentoring and coaching. I think we always think that we need to have someone who is like super senior, super, um, you know, like the mentor, or someone who is a VP for 30 years or whatever. But actually, no, it could be a friend. It could be a peer. It could be even someone who is less experienced than you, right, it kind of just bring you perspectives and helps you to, to really, like, improve yourself. So it's like whomever helps you to challenge yourself in a better way is a coach. it doesn't have to be a title. It's someone you pay for. It could just be, like, a friend. Um, I have a lot of discussion with my team, you know. <laughs> like, just go some way. I hope you know my helper as, as well. Like it's kind of like this discussion of find the right people around you that helps you be a better version of yourself in many ways. Um and that's really you the know, things. So, so I really hope everyone has someone that you think if you think about it, it doesn't have to be an official, again, coach, certified coach or whatever. This helps, right? They have the right tool. My husband sometimes will struggle with that, like the empathy and like all that. But I know it, so I just take on like the message, and then I work on. You know, I, I just disregard like when it's a bit too direct or whatever. Um, I just know his style, and I and I just take what I need right from from his feedback. But uh, yeah. Hi everyone,
0: I'm back. So oh, sorry. Wi-Fi completely cut out. I'm sitting in the street with my phone. Um, but I caught um I caught the end of that. Um not sure if everyone had a chance to share on on their coach um uh, question, but I had one more question. I know we're we're coming up with time. I had one more question for everyone, which was um, you know, I'd love to end on a good note. So th- this is a question that I ask employees when they go through interviews at my company, and I ask them, um, what is their champagne moment? And typically I ask this forward thinking, which is, tell me something that you're working towards. This is normally how I ask it in in, in interviews. Tell me something you're working towards that when you achieve it, it's a moment to stop and pop open a bottle of champagne. But I wanna put this question to to the panel retroactively. Tell me something that you were working on as an entrepreneur, you know, a big challenge or a big hurdle or one specific thing, one metric we you needed to hit or one sales number or, uh, you know, something with the restaurant that when you when you achieved it, it was a moment to stop and open that bottle of champagne, um, you know, to 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 celebrate even the micro milestones that sometimes are so much harder to achieve than you realize. Delphine, I'll I'll start with you. Yes, yeah. I mean, for me, me little things,
6: right? I I started. So for the restaurant I'm working on, I'm responsible for the marketing side of things, right? I although I studied marketing, my background is in operations, corporate operations. So not really in marketing, but I love marketing. So it's like my passion area. But like the little milestone, what you're saying, like for me, it was like growing our social media community, and like we no no one right Obviously. <laughs> and when we reached like two thousand people i was like super happy that was our goal for like the first year or whatever and we reached that in eight months or something and i was super happy and and it was really the thing of like i've never done it i don't know you know what what to what i should be doing and actually i realized that no i am like a marketing manager and i can do it and i can grow a community and i can build social media and i can just figure it out and and uh, yeah these are like little things they're small right but but um still working on the the big goal and we're still working on it but definitely celebrate the small things helps to feel like you're achieving and you're moving fo- like forward and you're like um like you're succeeding because there's no really end goal of like oh now it's done you're like unless you're selling maybe <laughs> i don't know if it's like you're selling your company for like millions maybe that's done and big. Be- goal achieved but otherwise the small milestone really help I think so yeah and yeah, social media <laughs> for me proving that yeah I could I actually that's exactly do it. true
0: it's the problem yeah sorry sorry the challenge with entrepreneurship is you feel like it's never a moment to celebrate right there's always something else you have to do there's always another thing around the corner there's always a, a you know a higher metric and so the challenge is, we almost never stop and celebrate having having hit some goal. Um, so, I mean, yes, I I, I hear this, um, and I encourage everyone to, you know, to even to set those whatever numbers are. At this point, we will celebrate even if we're already focused on the next one. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious. I'll, I'll again throw it out to the rest of the the panelists. Uh, if anyone has a specific moment where they it was so hard to get there, but when they finally got there, they did celebrate. and And how do you celebrate? Do you get yourself a massage? Do you, you know, how do you celebrate?
1: So, so in my case, I'd like to share. Um, I was really so happy. It was a champagne moment when um, the communications program that we tried to uh, uh, share with the HR when Bloomberg uh, closed the account with us, I felt really affirmed because uh, the whole product that we're trying to uh, share with the working parents is the communication skills program. And so uh, being recognized as, as 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 a course and also to be recognized as a facilitator for the whole APAC region was such a champagne moment. Of how I celebrated, and did you celebrate? I forgot yeah. to celebrate. How did you celebrate? <laughs> it was just like an aha! Uh-huh, really, 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 just focus on how I would do it well, and how I could facilitate, and how I could be inclusive with in all the parents I was surrounded with. And for me, that was such a such a celebration already.
0: The challenge we never actually stop, yes, and look back and and pat ourselves on the back. Um, um
3: Lula or Elizabeth, do you guys want to jump in? I think well it's it's the same i I actually have a bottle of champagne in my fridge, uh, which you know, I've been waiting to open just when I reach this or when we do that or something. you know it's it's been there for years, literally because you just don't stop to open it. But I have um, two specific moments, I guess a, a, bit, a bit what Odette was talking about, about validation. Um, and that was when we moved from Shanghai to Hong Kong, continued the the company, and the, um, the Norwegian Financial Times uh, did a spread on me in the newspaper. It was a three-page um, interview. And I guess it was some sort of validation for me that what I was doing was interesting across the globe (laughs) all the way to norway and and then when um when my my parents sent pictures from the newspaper i sat down opened the bottle of champagne and read the article (laughs) um stupid but it was it was something to celebrate um a bigger bigger moment was um now me and my brother we are working to open a theme park here in norway and we signed um like a letter of intention with the company that we are um planning to work with and that was also a, a big deal for us so we actually went out and had dinner together um don't think we opened the bottle of champagne but we we went out and we celebrated we sat down we had uh, i think first time in a long time we didn't talk about work we talked about other things which was a way for us to celebrate <laughs> since we talk about work every day
0: I can't even imagine what opening a theme park entails that sounds like climbing Mount Everest. Uh, so very excited to to watch that, but glad you already celebrated one of the milestones. Um, Elizabeth there, Louisa?
2: Yeah, I'm shocked to realize that we, I don't think we, we hardly ever celebrated anything. And I always scold my husband because he has these like incredible things that he reaches these goals after months of sweat, blood and tears. And I'm always like, you never celebrate. And now I realize I never celebrate. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we did celebrate, um, sort of every time we expanded the business. I mean, we, I think we probably celebrated when we opened the co-working space in the first place, um, after like building everything literally with our own hands um i i hope we celebrated to be honest i can't really 100% remember um and then i think when we opened our first like more professional floor where everything was like perfectly built and like yeah, everything was really shiny and nice um and i think when we merged with the other company i think uh, i think we celebrated that. i i think we did i'm not i'm not 100% sure though but yeah, um, to celebrating more, I think that's that's a really interesting uh, way of doing it. To sort of say, what's going to be my champagne moment in the future? I think I want to do that from now on. Very good idea.
0: I mean, I I, I love that challenge. And, and Lisa, I'm going to pass on to you. But um, 100 set your champagne moment, and uh, and also um you know write it down somewhere to everyone because Mm -hmm. you know then you force yourself to actually celebrate Mm -hmm. but um over to you
5: yeah no i think i'm actually i'm gonna pick the 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 one thing that we did actually celebrate just you know same same as you guys we don't celebrate a loss. But I think we, we did when we had our first small, um, like angel investment that, um, we got through, which happened at the same time as we were launching the on the online shop. So it was actually, you know, we anyways wanted to kind of already celebrate a bit, like, yay, we opened, you know, like our shop online after, um, you know, like many, many months of, of hard work. No, but at the same time, what happened was that we actually got, um, um you know we we tried to do all this fundraising for for you know for like a diaper companies, so of course, you know many, many um closed doors and 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 funny emails back um, um but then you know, so we tried everything like fundraising, you know, and then um, we just got this email from from mom that had had bought one of our like had bought a tester kit on our website and she was using it on her baby, and she loved it, and she wants to invest and this email just came out of nowhere, you know, we were like so focused on like. You know, getting all these like email addresses from all these uh, LinkedIn investors and you know, like all the thing that you tried to do. And you know, silently just in our inbox was was this mom who just wanted to invest and really you know loved the product, knew the product, and this is what we were doing. And I think this just felt like really like an achievement. It wasn't just some some guy with some money who wants to, you know, have a funky company in their in their portfolio, but really someone who believes in this product and is using it and and um is her life is you know it's it has an impact on on her life it's you know good for her baby and i think this was such a such a big achievement for us for my co-founder and me and so we went out and we went had a beautiful big dinner drinks espresso martinis you know and the whole night was like let's just celebrate and uh, be really happy that these things happen because it just felt like so odd like as if that ever happens and it did and I think we um and I do this thing where even if I go like out for birthdays I always keep the receipt and I write like with a pen like what was the occasion that you celebrated who who were you with and I have this little um like you know journal where I keep those things and that was a dinner receipt I kept and I I think I'll probably keep it for a long time because it will always um remind me of that really special special moment yeah
0: Awesome! I loved that. Um, I'm a with.
4: Are you also having trouble oh. hearing Maleka right now? So I'm just going to jump in with my champagne moment. Uh, yes, I think that's what you said, right? Uh, yes. Um, my champagne moment. Oh, I loved hearing all of yours because it's so lovely to take these opportunities to honor that. Yeah. But also, and I love the chat that came in as well that I saw, like, it's great not just to celebrate the goals, right? Uh, oftentimes when I'm celebrating the most, it's actually, it isn't the big achievements than I did for the, for the business. Yeah. Uh, But it's more the celebration of that I had, you know, let me let me clarify that. Yeah, there are these moments where a sponsorship comes through or this coaching, a group coaching really works out or this one on one client signs up that is just amazing. And there's so much chemistry. And I love working with those people. Uh, But actually, the moments where I really celebrate and how I do it's like with a like I'm actually dancing, you know, like little happy dance um, is when I. Uh, usually the days when I made it through the day, when my when my husband is out on business travels, like those are my days where I feel like, okay, now I'm gonna channel all my superhero woman, uh, you know, energy, and I got this. You know, I feel I don't, but I totally got this. And I remember I actually uh, one of the first few weeks when he got into this new job that made him travel so much, I had like a a call call in the morning and uh like with a client and then I had all of the three kids to pick up and it it felt overwhelming but I'm like okay I I got this and then I recorded myself uh with a glass of bubbles uh to my to a friend of mine and I said like cheers you know like I'm I survived just a, a normal day, you know, a normal, messy day, because some days I feel like I don't really uh, did it so well, but that I, I pat myself on the back. I'm like, you know, you got this. Cheers to myself and to my dear friend. Yeah. More cheers for that. Yeah. To all of you, actually. Cheers to all of you for just making it through another
3: freaking day. Ah, Bravo. I'm sorry, I'm going to jump in, but we need to be on time. So it's 2.30 right now and we need to let everyone go. Thank you so much for coming. And Regina and the speakers, if you can stay, if the FWBW team can stay, we can just wrap it up. And for those that couldn't be there there in the beginning or at the end, don't worry, we will share a newsletter very quickly with the podcast. Thank you so much and see you soon. Oh, gosh. And
4: just, uh, is Malika gone? Uh, because before we let our listeners leave, make sure to sign up for our news. If you're listening in now and you want to be part of it, Maleka, should I give it over to you again? Uh, because this will be the podcast listeners hearing that you should all sign up. If you want to be part of this community at, at, uh, F W B W you find the links in the show notes. So sign up and join us for the next, um, conversation. Thank you so much for listening.